Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As I look back at every time that I overcame, there was always something to be gained that I wouldn't have gained had I operated in fear. Everybody here, consider yourself, your walk with the Lord. What have you been afraid to do for the Lord? Anything. Just what's something that you've been afraid to do? I encourage you to do it. Just do it. Do it. And, and you know, the only way to, you know, see if God is in something with you or not is to, is to do it. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. It comes from our enemy, not from our Redeemer. Have you ever felt called or pulled to do something, but you talked yourself out of it? You may have said someone else can do this better, or seeds of doubt in your mind made you question if it was really God's will for you. In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge us to step out in faith. When you feel God calling, just do it. You can't mess it up beyond his power of redemption. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Joshua and Caleb had been part of the, the ministry that went out. They were, they, were, they were two of the 12 spies that went out. And they came back saying, God, it's confirmed. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. We had grapes that had carried between, on a pole between two people. You know, they said, this is a great land. We want to go. We want to go get it. And everybody doesn't want to go. That's why we don't, we don't ascribe to or prefer the, the style of church government that is, um, you know, uh, congregational, where everybody's got to vote and agree. Because right here, everybody, you know, we God didn't get the vote, you know. He didn't get the vote. God spoke and the people voted and they voted God out. They voted not to do what God said. So I would never put people in that kind of a situation. Uh, I remember being at a church, first church that I went to, and it was it was that way. And I remember when there would be things that would come up that were items that needed to be voted on. And it would be announced, you know, Sunday morning after service. Hey, we're going to have a vote on these things right here. And. I just remember this because you're part of the church. So I remember there being people there that are not walking with God. There was a musician that was smoking crack. There were people that were living together in fornication. I mean, you had all these different kinds of people, but they were getting ready to come vote on spiritual matters. And I was like, I, I, even then, I'm, I'm still a, a, a fairly new believer, but it just was, I was like, yeah, they weigh in, huh? They that brother weighs in. He got a 40 on the way here. He weighs in on what's going to happen next here. That's a bad situation. That's not that's not I don't think that's the best way to do things. So um, just pointing that out. So here the, the group doesn't agree with God. The group doesn't agree that they should do what God said do. But Caleb and Joshua, they're fighting for it. And I, I just should point this out. When you stand with God, when you walk by faith and not by sight, when you do it God's way, it's it's lonely. You're going to stand alone a lot of times. Joshua and Caleb, obviously not affected whatsoever by the crowds. Obviously, they could give a hoot about what everybody else was saying. Unlike those that are going to miss out and they're having a wrong influence, they're influenced by one another, their focus on the, is on the crowds. I want you to notice that Joshua and Caleb have done the opposite. Their focus was on the Lord and what he said, and they confirmed that what God said was true, the land was truly good, they're saying so, and they're influenced, they're influencing one another. So I would just point that out for those of us that, that desire to, man, I want to walk in victory, I want to have victory in my walk with the Lord, 
Make sure you find some people that are walking the same way with you. You guys can walk it out together. It's a good thing. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 22. Paul ministering to young Timothy, kind of getting him ready, tells him to flee youthful lust. Then he tells him pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. It says with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He said, I want you to pursue these things, but find some other people that are doing it too. Pursue these things with other people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. So as believers, it's important that we, we run with other believers and we run with other people that are faithful, people that trust God. I thank God for my friends in the faith, people that I can call friend that I can fellowship with, I can speak with, that, that we're always pushing each other in this direction. Our speech is in this direction. Our prayers are in this direction, never pulling one another down. We need friends like that. And so um, seek them out. Actually, if you don't have any friends like that, ask God to give you some people that you can walk with. So I just want you, I want to contrast Joshua and Caleb from the rest of the people. Uh, the rest of the people, they're again, they're, they got wrong focus and a wrong influence, but again, not these two. And again, they said it does flow with milk. Honey. Look at verse nine. They're giving commands. These are commands that they're saying. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. And look what he says. For they are our bread. Their, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And there's a mixture here of commands and promises from God. It says, don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. The promise, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Last command, do not fear them. And they're saying, come on. They're, they're, Joshua and Caleb are still saying, guys, let's go. What are you doing? Let's go do what God said to do. Um, but they're, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle with this group of people. But I would just point out a few things. First of all, when they say only do not rebel against the Lord. When God tells you to do something and you don't do it, we don't often think of it that way, but that's rebelling against the Lord. When God has told you, I want you to do this. And you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's rebellion. It's rebelling against the Lord. When Saul rebelled against the Lord and the word of God came to him through the prophet, the word, he was told this, that rebellion is just like witchcraft. Just like witchcraft. And I think witchcraft, I think of that's, that's bad. Really, really bad. God's rebellion, just like witchcraft to me. And so here they're being told, hey, you're disobedient. You're not going is rebellion against God. So I would challenge us all to consider are there any areas that God has spoken to you, things that God has told you to do, things that God has is, is, is given you clear direction that you're to do or to not do, and you're not obeying, and you're in rebellion. You need to repent of that. that. That That's rebellion when I don't obey, when I don't go and do what God said do. And then he says, so only he says, don't only don't rebel against the Lord. And he says, don't fear the people of the land, Right. You'll never get where God is trying to take you if you're a person that operates in fear. And I would challenge you to just scour through your Bible at people that, when you think of the names of people that did great things for God, I want you to go back and look at all the stories. They all had to overcome fear. Fear is a, is a hindrance. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will snare you. Fear will keep you from doing things that you're well able to do, but you're just afraid. And so fear can only be overcome in one way, and that's overcoming it. Fear is like a bully. 
And the only way to get done with a bully is you got to beat him up. And then once you beat him up, you're like, oh, he ain't that bad. And next time he shows up, you're like, you know what? I'm not as afraid as I was before. But if you never fight a bully and it's always only what your mind is telling you is going to happen to you if you go up against him, you'll always live in that fear. The only way to overcome a bully is beat him up. The only way to overcome fear is to finally overcome it. You got to just do it. And then and you'll move forward from there, What you'll find in your walk with the Lord. Every time you step out in faith to overcome fear, do what God said, do you'll find every time that you do it, that your trust in God is growing. You're seeing that, man, God came through. You know what? I obeyed God. I did what God said, do. And as I look back, God came through. He, he showed up. He worked it out. It, 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 it went well. I, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I, I was afraid that it wouldn't work out. But as I look back now, I'm like, God, God's faithful. All the time, 100%. And, and what will happen is you'll be someone, instead of, instead of being encumbered by fear, you'll be someone that's growing in faith. But you got to get going. You got to start doing the things that God says do. And I, I guarantee you guys here, every Christian here, God's going to tell you to do some things that are uncomfortable and scary. It's just part of, it's part of growing you up as a Christian. And as I look back on my walk, and I was, I was pondering this, as I look back over my walk with the Lord, it's, it's funny when I was when I first got saved, you know, I felt like God treated me like a baby. It was always it was, everything was it seemed like and I've heard other people say that when I first got saved, it seemed like everything just I pray just happened. Boom. And like like this God was just showing me that he was with me in different ways. And after a while, though, God began to require things of me, call me to do things, speak to me about things. And everything that God wanted me to do or spoke to me to always was something that was required faith. Where I had to overcome my own fear, my own doubt, my own insecurities and everything else. But again, as I look back at every time that I overcame, there was always something to be gained that I wouldn't have gained had I operated in fear. Everybody here, consider yourself, your walk with the Lord. What have you been afraid to do for the Lord? Anything. Just what's something that you've been afraid to do? I encourage you to do it. Just do it. Do it. And, and you know, the only way to you know, see if God is in something with you or not is to, is to do it. In, in my life, uh, I, I, was, I know God called me to teach and um, I love to sing, but I don't believe I'm called to be like a worship leader. But there was one point um, when I was doing youth ministry and I was always challenging the kids that, hey, you know, step out in faith and trust the Lord and blah, blah, blah. And they're always, I walk around and sing. But I don't, I don't know. When you amplify it, everything goes, it all goes south. You know, I'm, just, I'm not the amplified singing type, you know. But I had kids, I had my own daughter, you know, at different times confront me on that. Well, you should do that. You should step out and do, you're always telling me to step out in faith. I'm telling you to, you should step out and do such and such. And I will say that over the years as a Christian, I've stepped out several times to do it. It was never blessed. It was never, it was never something I did and walked away and was like, God was in that. That was, that's, you know, I think that's my calling, never. And so, but I, but I had to confirm it. I can confirm it or deny it. I can say I've done it enough times to say, I'm going to keep it in the shower. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it in the hallway or whatever, you know, but, but, but I, I, I can't, I could not say that having never attempted, having never stepped out. Same is true with teaching. Teaching was something I felt called to do. I believe God was speaking to me to do it. I remember the first time I did, I have the, I have the VHS tape of the first time I ever taught. And every once in a while I pop it in and I watch it. And it's a reminder to me that was the I've never been that afraid in my entire life. Um, I was afraid. I was young. I was 21. 
I was scared. I, look, I, I listened to it. I was stuttering in the beginning. But then it seemed like a few minutes in, it just, you know, the Lord just helped me. And I probably taught that message. It was, probably, it was, it was a 40-minute message that took 20 minutes. You know, it was like, that nervous, fast talk. I got it all said, you know. But when it was all said and done, I was like, wow, you know, the Lord, he showed up. I was not as afraid the next time. And as time would go on, um, more and more, I would just see that the Lord was with me in that. And that I, that was something that I was to do. I encourage you guys, you'll never enter into the, again, for them, it's the promised land that they're going to miss out on. For you and me, there's a life that God has for us that's beyond, okay, I'm saved, I'm in. There's more that God has for you and I. There's the, the spirit filled life, the life of, of abundance in God, not abundance of stuff, but abundance of him, more of him, more of his presence, more of knowledge of him, more of his blessing upon your life. That's available to us, but you're going to walk by faith in order to get there. And so while for them, they had a wrong focus, they had wrong influences. They also had a wrong attitude. Um, their attitude towards God's leaders were bad. Um, they weren't submissive. They weren't obedient. And we're going to see that as we continue. They got a wrong attitude towards people that God put in place. Moses and Aaron didn't install themselves. God put them there. Very, and it, it was no question among them that God had established them. And their attitude towards the people God had established was also bad. And so all these things kept them out. Wrong focus, wrong influence, influencing one another. We should go back to, 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 to Egypt, to the world, and having a bad attitude toward people that speak the truth to you. And I would challenge all of us to consider that. What's your attitude towards those that speak the truth to you? You get mad at them or you thank them? Are you glad for them or mad at them? What's your attitude towards people that speak truth to you? Um, in my life, there have been over, over the years as a Christian, I've had time. I got people that speak truth to me. Sometimes the truth is kind of soft truth, not nothing to be real offended by. But I've had, I've had some tough talks. I've had people sit me down and say some difficult things to me. And oh, it's a challenge to your flesh, but I've learned. This is what I've learned, and it's a sad truth, right, as a Christian. The people that are most honest with me are the people that are mad at me and hate me. What I, that's what I found. The people that will be the most honest with me about stuff are typically people that they're, they're, they're really trying to hurt me with it. And so I've learned that when someone decides they hate me and they want to, I'm going to listen. I don't take it all in, but if I listen, this is what I'm listening for. Is anything true that they're saying? If there's anything true in it, I need to take that and work on it. Because they're way more honest with me than the people that say, I love you, Bill. You're my friend, man. Ah. They won't tell me nothing. That's why I need a wife. My wife is my wife is my friend and our relationship affords us the privilege of her. She can just say whatever she want to say. She know I know she loved me. I love her. I'm not going to get in my feelings. And she she probably the most honest person I have in my life to tell me, man, that was terrible. babe. That wasn't that was not good. I did not understand what you were talking about. She would just tell me, you know, very clearly, you know, um, if my wife tells me something was good, I, I know it was good because she's not trying to butter me up. Um, so. But we all need to consider that. How do we respond to people that speak truth to us? You take it well, you take it poorly, you get mad at them, you don't talk to them for a month, you know, um, or do you receive it? Hey, thank you. Thank you for, you know, uh, keep me accountable on that. I'm, I'm going to work on that. Um, we want to receive well from the leaders God put. Part of what kept them out of the promised land is that they didn't, they didn't have, they had a, they had a wrong attitude towards not only God's leaders, 
But even guys like Joshua and Caleb, guys that were standing up for truth, Joshua and Caleb are not their leaders, but Joshua and Caleb rise up among them as leaders because they're saying, hey, guys, look, we're not going to go with the crowd that's saying, let's go back. to We say, no, we're going to Egypt. We go to the promised land where the stuff the, we, we, we want to go. And Joshua and Caleb, as they step up and speak, look at what they say to them. Look at how they respond to these guys. Look at verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So the thanks Joshua and Caleb get for speaking up and saying, hey, guys, hey, you guys are tripping. You know, and w- listen to what they said. They said, look, guys, let's don't. Rebel against the Lord. Um, you know, let's don't fear the people. God's, you know, the people are our bread. The land is our possession. Their, their protection is departed from them. Just don't fear. Let's go ahead and do what God called us to. That wasn't a harsh, mean word, but they listened to what they said and the response was stone them. Let's, and they, and this is the thing. This is how we know that they were not just talking. They said, let's stone them with stones and the scriptures would give us the picture that they were they were about ready to pick up stones right then and there and stone them to death. Because what what happens as soon as it says that what happens? The Lord showed up. Stop that mess. Like God had to intervene. God had to show up. They were getting ready to be stoned. That's a great thing for you and me, though. Right. As you stand for the Lord and stand with the Lord, nobody can do anything to you that God doesn't permit the people were ready to stone them and God said, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not what's about to happen. These are my guys right here. And so the glory of the Lord showed up. We saw the same thing in chapter 12 when Mo, when, um, when Miriam and, um, Aaron were talking bad about Moses because he married the Ethiopian. What happened? The Lord showed up and said, hey, hey, you guys, you three, all three, you come here. And I, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that felt like. For God to just show up, you you three, right? You come here, come here right now. And you know you just was talking behind the door bad about Moses. I I know know Moses was like, yes, Lord. What do you need? need?" But I bet Miriam and Aaron was like, oh, oh, man. You know, they they was coming nervous to the meeting. Right here, God shows up again to intervene. Stop things from going in a wrong direction. That should just comfort you, too. You know, that God, as I step out to obey you, as I go to do the things you call me to do, I got your protection is with me. You're with me as I stand up. Joshua and Caleb stood alone in terms of people, but they stood with the Lord and the Lord stood with them, too. And that's important to note. Look at verse 11. Now. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me and how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? And I want you to notice how God feels about their lack of obedience. God says they're rejecting me and they don't believe me. Right. Their unwillingness to go. God interpreted that as they're rejecting me and they don't believe me. So consider when God speaks to you and me and we don't obey because we're afraid. God saying you're rejecting me. and You don't believe in me. That's how I interpret it. That's that's how I'm feeling about that behavior. Um, but you flip the thing around because Joshua and Caleb, they believed and they, 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 they didn't, I guess the opposite of rejecting is to receive. Well, they received the Lord and they, they obeyed. And so they're going to get to go into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb in this scenario, they're showing us what to do to get there. Um, everybody else is showing us how to miss out. And so God says, look, you guys, 
are rejecting me and not believing me, but Joshua and Caleb, they receive me and they believe in me. And I'm going to reward again. God's going to reward them for it later. Look at what God says he's going to do in verse 12. He says, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Now, God, I believe here this is God is testing Moses, right? Imagine that you're Moses. These people have been a headache to you. They've been fussing at you, complaining all the time, you know, telling you, you know, all these different things. And God says, you know what, Moses, I'm, 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 I'm fed up with these people. I'm going to disinherit them. I'm going to send pestilence among them. Disease is going to run rampant. They're going to die off. And I'm going I'm to get a whole new group of people better than them. And you're going to be their leader. How about that, Moses? And I'm listening saying, all right, Lord, that sounds good. You know, that, if, if Moses didn't love the people, if he wasn't a shepherd to the people, if he didn't have God's heart for this disobedient group, that's what he would have said. He would have said, all right, Lord. All right, that's fine. That sounds good to me. You know, carry on, you know, but that's not what Moses does. And that's an example to you and me. Moses, I believe he's being tested, but he's got a heart for these people. He loves them, even though they're messed up. He loves them. That's what the Bible says. Moses says he's the meekest man on the earth. The Bible says that about him. Um, Look at what Moses does in response. Great example for us. Verse 13, Moses said to the Lord, the Egyptians will hear the, the, The Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought this people up from among them and and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among this people and that you, Lord, are seen face to face and that your cloud stands above them and that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. So first of all, I want to point out that Moses begins with intercession. He he never agrees. He never says, you know what? Let them die. They deserve to die. Let them have it. And he gives us a, a visual example of what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do for our enemies. We're supposed to pray for them. And also, maybe God has put you, God maybe put you over difficult people. You need to pray for them. God put Moses in a position over some difficult people. And it wasn't for him to get rid of them the first chance he got. But it was for Moses to love them and to intercede for them and pray for them. We're going to see that as he intercedes, God listens. And some people look at this and say, well, you know, did Moses change God's mind? No, God gave Moses an opportunity to do what he knew he would do to intercede. And there are people in my life that God wants me to intercede for. There were people that I was in their life once upon a time and God wanted them to intercede for me. And they did. And there are people in your life that God wants you to intercede. And I want you to notice something. Many times the people that need your spiritual involvement in their life will behave in such a way that makes you not like them. The people that need you most, they need you to be in their corner Spiritually speaking, they need you to be praying for them. They need you to care. They need you to have a heart. They need you to bring them up for the Lord. You're the Christian in their life. But they behave in such a way that is such a turnoff to you. It's such a so obstinate, so abrasive to you that you don't want to pray for them. And we got to be careful of that tactic of the enemy. That many times the people that need me most behave in such a way that I wouldn't necessarily choose 
to engage with them or interact with them. And so I have to be mindful of that, you know, that I need to intercede for those people that rub me wrong, get on my nerves, don't like me. I need to pray for You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.